A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Roundabout Season 2, presented by Nissan, is live now, and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops, if we're stopping to get gas. You will be timed. Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have like, you know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. <laughs> a lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, yeah, you, you were different. And so much more. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And welcome to the Raw Review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by the Dudley Boys of What Culture, Michael Hamlet and Michael Sidgwick, here to review last night's episode of Monday Night Raw. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts, where we not only review Raw, but also SmackDown, the show formerly known as NXT 2.0. Oh, AW Dynamite, AW Rampage, pay-per-views, premium live events. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a roundup of the week complete on the bigger quiz, of course, on WrestleCulture. As I said, they're joined by Hamlet and Sidgwick to review Monday Night Raw. And Raw, as the kids may say, is cooking. It's gutted. It's what it is. Uh, I thought this Raw was tremendous. That's some rubbish in it, because it's three goddamn hours exactly. of WWE. We've talked about this. There's no such thing as a perfect Raw. It's never going to happen again. But I like the Raws that like attempt to approach good. <laughs> That's what I'm after for three hours. <laughs> and there was loads. There was loads that approached good and loads that was actually better than good. I had a thoroughly tremendous time with this Raw. And the pattern I felt like that was being established was that Triple H would try for the specials, um, the premieres. The Raw is 30s, the ones that he, knows gonna, that he knows are going to get big ratings with the hope that if enough people stick around by the stuff you pepper in there, I'm just going to like take my foot off the gas for three months afterwards. And I don't know, I didn't like last week's as much as you did, but I'm led to believe that's maybe not going to be the case following Raw's Triple X. Like I just sense that things are in a good pattern rather than mm-hmm. a holding one. This was a wildly uneven show yeah. with good and bad. The good was like... Very, very good. Very, 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 very good. And the stuff that was merely good was quite hot Mm. by WWE crowd standards and very little outstayed its welcome. This honestly might be my favorite Raw of the Papa H era. That wasn't Raw is XXX. Yeah. There's genuinely some really good stuff here. Peak Cody on this show. Yeah. Yeah. The, The volume, like we... Flag this up for weeks, months, maybe now. Like the volume was, was becoming like really <laughs> <Years>. <laughs> like a significant problem because I could sit here and just subjectively say, you know, I think Triple H is doing a good job with X, Y, and Z, or the booking of this story has got me on the hook, or whatever. But those like crowds were absolutely damning. But like since the Rumble when WWE invented volume, mm. like <laughs> a big volume literal total shift, volume is good. <laughs> volume is good. Pass it on. <laughs> Uh, right, let's dive into it, because lots to get into on this episode. Uh, it opened with the return of Mr. and Mrs. Beth Phoenix. Uh, Edge's music hits, runs out. They're doing a big video package, of course, of everything that's happened um, between them and... Um, um, I'm in the f***ing judgment day. Yeah. One night for them, yet again. Um, <laughs> I like the fact... I'm not going to go full... Couple of girls. Um, what? 
couple goals. Sorry, oh, okay. I hate when people do that. Um, but I did like Edge playing grab ass as part of his entrance. Just can't help himself. And even even Beth's like, calm down, Adam, please. Ease up. Yeah. Um, so they get into the ring after everything's recapped. recap. Cave your wife's head in with a chair, blah, blah, blah. Return the rumble, spear, etc., etc. Uh, Edge talks about being the king of comebacks at this point. It's getting bloody silly. Uh, he says he is here for one reason. The judgment day is his fault. Uh, that version, definitely. Um, he says, look, I had this idea to try and elevate talent that he thought it, de- it deserved it. And at the end of the day, it has worked. Without him. Yes, yeah. exactly. Um, everyone's in a better place now than they were a year ago. He talks about Finn operating on a level he has never been on. He talks about Priest being a workhorse that can come out weekly against the very best. And he talks about Rhea Ripley, of course, going from number one in the Rumble, outlasting everyone, and now heading to WrestleMania against Charlotte Flair. And then he says, and Dom's here too. Good. Put some fucking respect on that boy's name. Um, he gives him a little golf clap, um, but he says he's a cruel bastard who will sink to any level to get his pound of flesh. Uh, Beth says, "Let's cut to the chase." If you got the ball, if you got the stone, she says, "Black the battle balls." Really, and Finn Balor. Uh, let's have a bare knuckle fight then. Basically, uh, out comes the flipping Judgment Day without Rhea Ripley. Um, and Finn, sa- Finn says he's noticed a pattern, uh, which is Edge returns only to get his ass handed to him and disappear again, basically. Maybe it's time for you to quit. Dom says, word on the street travels fast. Says, uh, <laughs> you might have heard, since you've been gone, I served hard time. Uh, and you better run before I do something to you that I learned on the inside, just like I did to my deadbeat dad. DB, Dominic Mysterio, DBD. Did you know Rey Mysterio's his deadbeat dad? They oh, didn't. Uh, they did not say my deadbeat dad, Rey Mysterio, tonight. True. There was something later on, I'm not sure. Of course picked, there was. <laughs> picked up on that, I immediately thought, well, I need to mention that to Sage on the Raw Review. Um, Damien Priest gets a bit flustered, to be fair, mm. but he just says, I bloody hate you. I'm going to go to the chamber, because obviously he's got that match coming up tonight against Angelo Dawkins. I'm going to become US champion. Uh, and Dom says, Mammy is busy promoting WrestleMania, but Rhea wishes she was here. Uh, Edge tells Dom to shut up. Was this the bit where they dropped the, <laughs> the virtual insanity Jamiroquai reference? Yeah. Finn Balor looking like Jamiroquai. Huh? Right out of, <laughs> <laughs> right out of like uh, them going for Jim Carrey's 1994. Is that, like that would be if this was WrestleMania goes Hollywood this year. Like, it's just giving us a thumbs up. <laughs> it's okay, man. All these references now. I'm like, man, no problems here. I would say he's WWE's ace right now. Ace Ventura, you say? <laughs> yeah. So he he compares him to. I don't know how that was a, a diss, by the way. You look like Jamiroquai. Oh, thanks very much. It, I hope that it's foreshadowed like Finn Balor getting a preposterous hat at Elimination Jamie. Oh, that's absolutely stupid. Oh, my God. Purple fur like hat. That. That'd be amazing, yes. The cat in the hat. Yes. <laughs> Lest we forget, Finn Balor was a cat. Shoot, cat. You've been playing in my kitty litter. <laughs> Can't do accents. Thing about NXT is, around here, cats always land at the feet. Kyle O'Reilly. And I'm going to punch your jaw like a cat would. <laughs> anyway, Edge tells Dom, shut up. Uh, you don't know what you want. You'll confuse me. Uh, Priest, you didn't want a leader, and yet you're, you're following Bala like a little beard. What was it you said exactly? Oh, I can't remember. He's following like him around. Puppy like, or something? Yeah, yeah, like puppy a puppy. Um, the difference between you guys and me and, and Beth is we've got each other's back. Um, you can't trust each other. 
Uh, and I can't wait till race snaps and six one nines, your teeth down, your throat down. Um, Beth says, hmm, maybe Rhea's not here because last week I speared a soul out of her body, which was a little bit weird to say. She won the Royal Rumble. Exactly. <laughs> Afterwards, maybe I thought, you know what, I'm not going to be me here. Maybe the implication was, yeah, she went the r- distance in the Rumble, but she's still scared of me. Yeah, yeah okay. afraid of me, yeah. Uh, she wants to, she didn't come here to talk. She wants to beat Rhea Ripley's ass. Uh, but because she, she's not here, how about we have it? Me and Edge versus Finn Balor and Rhea Ripley, Elimination Chamber. Um, Labradoodle. There we go. I knew I'd remember what this phrase was that he called Damien Priest. Um, Dom says, Mammy is in. Finn is in. Uh, and they go, but that's if you make it to Elimination Chamber. And they close off the ring. I never get that when there's less than four people. Yeah. Oh, my God. They've encircled the ring. No, they haven't. There's one set of ropes you can clearly run through. They've triangled the square. Yeah, exactly. Um, get up on the apron. It's all about to kick off. When whose music hits, but the Street Profits. Here comes Angelo Dawkins, who, as I mentioned, has got the match with Damian Priest for the spot in the Elimination Chamber. Montez Ford, I rewatched this, defies physics with his movements sometimes. Normally, it's when he does that amazing flip dive over the turnbuckle. I don't know how he got down that ramp. What was that? He was, was like, he was coming down the ramp towards uh, Dom. Um, but in the end, yeah, lay them all out. Everyone spills because they're about to set up the Damian Priest match. Um, but Dominic Mysterio, yet again, stealing the show. He's isolated. He gets lifted up by Beth for the glam slam. But just before he gets hit with it, he drops her. Mammy! <laughs> Genius. One Do you want thing. this one? I'll take it because you're going to put it over more than I am. Okay. So I'm going to get the bad mood out of the way. When I was talking about how some of Raw was good to very good, I did not like this particularly. First thing, Edge and Max, Edge and Max Caster realized that you're in 2023 Challenge Impossible. <laughs> They've both had lines on Dynamite last week and now Raw this week yeah. where I'm thinking, oh, eh. That's got no place today, and I do not want to hear it. Oh, yeah, there was a... I didn't want to mention that. Yeah. As for the content of the promo, we were maybe over the desks or on a podcast. I can't remember. We're going to say it again so it does not matter. Debating how they are going to handle the story because the characters are ready for a fight, Edge and Balor specifically. This was a nice way of delaying it because what you can do is have Rhea Ripley remain strong by beating um, Beth Phoenix... Mm -hmm. Finn Balor can brag that it's his win over Edge, but Edge says, no, I want my singles retribution. Hell in a cell, WrestleMania. This is all well-plotted and good. But I was wondering how they were going to work around the fact that they've already done two injury angles. These characters need the fight now, but unfortunately the fight's happening in April. So they did a somewhat okay job of delaying it, but at the same time, the answer to, so how are they going to manage this when they're at boiling point and Edge has been away for a while? The answer is they took the piss out of it. They were self-deprecating with the injury layoffs and the returns and the fact that this has just been one big loop of a story. And they hung a lantern on it, and that's bad. Mm. That's bad. Just tell a better story than taking the piss out of the one you are telling, which is going to culminate in a massive blood feud, uh, grudge, blow-off, whatever. Yeah, this I did like this more than Sage, but I don't disagree with that. I was thinking watching this that I think they will get to like I guess Edge. Like and, the characters can't believe in the story. Yeah, like Edge and Finn Balor fighting in a hell in a cell on paper feels like it has to be well, one of us is gonna have to kill the other to end this like drama. However, it feels like they've chosen cheesy as a different route. 
which right now is okay because the Judgment Day are a really cheesy stable. It's a, like, they're not comedic as such, but they're, they're daft and they're silly heels. You're grinning. So I've just thought of a brilliant booking thing for it, but carry on, sorry. I want to hear that instead. Well, was, it was Hell in a Cell, wasn't it, where we had the three edges? Is um, that the camera one I'm thinking of with Taker? Camera, Hell in a Cell, it was, I think, the Armageddon where we uh, had the three edges. I was going to say, we could have three Finn Balors, but they're Damien Priest and Dominic Mysterio. <laughs> and he just goes, well, that's not Finn. And that's definitely not Finn. Beats me. Like drawn abs on, like drawn Finn Balor's body yeah. on that. Um, no, I, I like this a lot more because I think that's where we're at right now with the Judgment Day. I like, I l- it's good booking to get to the mixed tag. I was going to say exactly the same thing as Sidgwick because Rhea Ripley getting a... Like, that's a great delaying strategy for Rhea Ripley. Getting to pin or physically dominate Beth Phoenix is an awesome way to prep your WrestleMania number one contender, especially the position Rhea Ripley's in. Uh, this segment as a whole, I will say this, is a reward for telling some stories and doing some plotting. Like, Edge's bollocks about the original Judgment Day. Like, the Mountain of Omnipotence wasn't some sort of performance centre project. Hey, I'm going to get my big chair and talk complete nonsense about space and time and goth stuff because I want to get some young talent over. Like, don't work me, bro. But the rest of it, like, did hang together. This Mm. idea of, like, he did want to bring these talents together and now they've taken this from him and look where they are now and all. Like, they had to take us out to do it. And this is kind of... Where we are now, again, we said this was something else the other week, I can't remember. This is not... As it would have been in the Vince era of, aren't they really fortunate to have stumbled upon and be able to, able to tie this together? They probably thought, we're going to do that when we bring Edge and Beth Phoenix back in February. And then the one thing they've had to think about, what we're going to do with that is, Edge does these comebacks all the time. How can we do it? That's the element where you felt like they're mm. getting away with one. But the rest is absolutely from Extreme Rules. Yeah. And when, when we bring you back February, what's Rhea Ripley going to be in? Winning the Rumble. I, you can see that like playing yeah. out as, as they've done it, and they've done a, a very effective job with it. So I thought this straddled the how daft and cheesy the Judgment Day are versus the actual story quite, quite well. WrestleMania might be a different story. That might be a bigger challenge, making mm. that Hell in a Cell feel serious. But for Elimination Chamber and a mixed tag, I thought this was not perfect. Yeah, and to be honest, I do say a lot that I don't mind a bit of levity at the start of a program because otherwise you get what Edge usually does. So I am wary of being a hypocrite here, but I didn't like the taking the piss out of what came before. A hypocrite. Yes, a hypocrite. Um, there was something Hell else. Hell in a Cell, grit in the pit. <laughs> a fight pit match instead. Oh my god! Shut up, man. There was something. The there's something I wanted to say. Oh yes, I remain utterly bemused by Beth Phoenix's face. Please, <laughs> please stop doing those expressions. It's ridiculous. Like someone needs to tell it. Turn it down. Yeah, she did call NXT for like two years, so she probably thinks she's absolutely nailing it. She watched those talents and all mm. those faces, and I watched that. That triple threat for the NXT Women's Championship and saw a lot of faces. In <laughs> Anyway, uh, if you want to know our thoughts on uh, Vengeance Day, podcast available right now. What culture wrestling, wherever you get your podcast from. Oh, yeah. uh, so then we got into Damien Priest versus Angelo Dawkins. And during the break, uh, Postman Pierce had chucked everyone else out from ringside. Um, and uh, they're sort of recapping what's gone on. And in the little picture-in-picture, Damien Priest goes flying <laughs> over the announce table. Uh, we go to another break. Dawkins comes back afterwards with a nice exploder suplex for two. He goes up top, uh, eventually runs into a super kick. Priest hits him with a flatliner for a near fall. Uh, Dawkins countered a choke slam into a silencer for two and hit a nice senton um, for a near fall. But in the end, Priest hit a spinning kick south of heaven choke slam and gets the one, 
two, three. Damien Priest qualifies for the United States Championship match at Elimination Chamber. But yet again, I thought another good showing for Angelo Dawkins here. Yeah, Angelo Dawkins continues to have these matches where if the assumed split of the Street Profits occurs, it's going to be far and away what people would have assumed a couple of years back. Yes, Montez Ford has got megastar written all over him sometimes, but Dawkins doesn't feel like he's wrestling to be left behind, which is great. Damien Priest has these in him. He's a wrestler that I can never quite make my mind up about because that's been the story of his in-ring career in WWE. I think there are flashes where it's like, you've got, for a guy that's a little bit older than you're supposed to play, and for a guy with your size, I can never quite, like, I thought this was really tremendous, and it makes me think Priest is sometimes the guy to go with. He's obviously going to be a sentimental favourite in the Elimination Chamber because he's in the room, George McGee. But in terms of his work, every now... Oh my god! Like every now, purple what cha- did you say? Purple pod. Shut up! Purple hall chamber. If the cell's gone red, make the chamber purple. Um, every now and then, did he you had winky in the Judgment Day. He is now. Uh, well done. He doesn't wear the hat though, does he? I was just checking that. Dipsy's were, got the hat. You were just checking that. Genuinely, that's good life producing oh. on the. Oh no, I completely believe you. You don't need to show you the laptop. There's, there's my Google history. Yeah. What's the top thing there? Uh, I don't want to read the top. Dipsy hat. Yeah. <laughs> What's the top thing? Let's have a look. Should be deleting. The that's the. Uh, that's that's coming up for later for the. Uh, Five-star review review. Um, yeah, there's Disappointingly not. clean, though. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I uh, like, really enjoyed this, and I think I quite like what they're doing with the Street Profits, too. Genuinely really dramatic, and the crowd were really getting up for the near falls, and it really felt like... Uh, it's hard to work this as well. It really felt like Dawkins was on the cusp of his breakthrough moment, and it felt a little bit heartbreaking. Yeah when it didn't happen for him, which was well contrasted with events that transpired later on in the show. This was paced very, very, very well Mm. indeed, particularly in the last three minutes. It's hard to get the fans up when they've seen everything and everything's very performative, but they wanted Dawkins Mm. to win this one, and they really worked you into thinking that, so I thought they did a hell of a job in this match. That's the old-school heel quality of the Judgment Day, isn't it? People don't... They're a lot of of fun, but you don't really root for them to win in their matches, which is ideal in 2023 when a lot of bad guys become the people you want to win the titles. And you're right there, Sige, because previously, let's say under the old regime... If you had a tag team wrestler in there fighting for a single spot in a for a singles championship, you'd just go, well, they, they got hope in hell here. But there's a bit where you're like, I thought your your booking was going to be right. I thought they were going to put both the Street yeah. Profits in there. So, yeah, good stuff. Again, this. another kind of red herring from Triple H, who's thinking about things. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I hate putting them over, but that idea would have been in fans' minds because we've seen these sort of exhibition clashes between tag team partners before. I thought it was a very, very shrewd bit of booking. And now, at, if you want Dawkins to turn heel, he's got that, if I don't take a shortcut, I'm second best here, mm. and I can't have that. So there's loads of directions in which they can take this. I think Papa H might be cooking. Jenny, <laughs> um, sh- like, is a shoot. Just yeah. when you said it, it, made me think of when he'd like be doing the barbecues. And they'd be like in the DX. Hey, Sean, check out all these women under the table. Oh, I'm looking over there because I'm looking for God. Meanwhile, that is a yeah. Austin Theory turned up in a black Lamborghini. Looked like a massive arsehole. So I suppose that was an achievement, uh, or more of an arsehole, I suppose. Uh, Corey Graves congratulates uh, WWE Hall of Famer Bad Bunny. Well, soon to be Bad Bunny <laughs> on winning a Grammy, and then Postman Pierce uh, confirms he signed Maximum Male Models and Maxine Dupree to Rumor. Monday Night Raw. Rumor is that uh, SmackDown GM Adam Pierce is raging that yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 another yeah. talent got away from him. How is this happening? 
Um, and there was a digital exclusive. I would encourage a lot of people to go and check out. Continuing the, how do you pronounce the uh, new name? Otis. Potentially joining Maximum Male Models. Mansoir's freak out on there is great. It's uh, it's 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 dovetailing stuff. Like it's that's <laughs> what, that's the thing with like Maximum Male Models and careful. Like, yeah, them coming over now and say overlapping or something. Uh, you don't own both words. I do. Let me get the first one. Like I, I'd say this is more daft. <laughs> <laughs> daft dovetailing style. That's exactly what it is. Um, like he's got Chad Gable there and ready, and Otis joining these mm-hmm. kind of frees the way there as well. Um, <laughs> and then it pans after Maximum Male Models to Chelsea Green, who's still being a Karen. Um, she's com- this is pathetic. Mm. She's complaining. Um, she wants to speak to the manager because uh, she got Belgian chocolate in her dressing room after asking specifically for Swiss chocolate, I believe. Uh, and she's not in the elimination chamber. She wants a match tonight, or maybe she'll call the manager and get Pierce fired, basically, uh, and drops her. K thanks by catchphrase here. This is so bad already. It feels like an unironic, no self awareness. Adult swim skit where someone doesn't realize this is three years old and they think they're on top of it. Like the Screaming Goats thing in, that, in the new Thor movie. And you're like, what are you doing here? Why? That's, that was a thing about five <laughs> years ago. Am I going to have to call the manager? And then, like, this, like, really, like, sort of intentionally <laughs> <laughs> laugh track. It just feels like parody, but they don't know that. I, I like what they did later on with this. Yeah, I mean, this is this is the thing, right? This character's incredibly one-dimensional, knowingly so. It's And it's become this device. WWE always looks for devices to book matches, because God forbid you just book matches. <laughs> so they've come up with another one here. And Chelsea Green herself will probably think she's looked out, because she's going to work a bunch of these losses, a bunch of these squashes. But this character absolutely gets invited back to reunion shows to have parties with Ted DiBiase and... Bastion Booger. Like, like, think about like Gillian Hall, the singer, just off the top of my head, another character that was a one-note joke that would persistently be used as a, like a punchline wrestler for three-minute TV matches. It's, there are worse spots to have, like I guess, than this one. It's very WWE, though. Dex Lewis versus Baron Corbin came next. Oh, I was really hoping for it there. Um, I want to talk about this. Yeah. It was a three-minute match. It was impressively bad. Uh, I've, I've barely written any notes, to be honest, because I thought we might be skipping this. Um, but, yeah, it was a series of rest holds in a three-minute match. And <laughs> Loomis fought out and hit his, what's it called, silencer or silence or yeah. whatever. He hit his finisher and beat Baron Corbin in three minutes. Oh, my God. I was... What's that? <laughs> oh, my God. I, well, I thought you were going to do your alternative. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> Shout out to all of Wales. <laughs> I was stunned. I want to get Andrew Pollard's feelings on you. Oh, my God. Mm. <laughs> we'll ask him. <laughs> I was so impressed by how much time they spent in a rest hold <laughs> in the ratio of offense. Like Dexter Loomis. People talk about Wyatt. Like Wyatt and Loomis are just complete carnies. And you almost have to respect it. They are doing less than Lanny Poffel, God rest his soul, did in WCW. <laughs> I mean, Bray, Bray's, Bray's stuff, stuff. Bray's stuff is so indulgent that there's another parallel there because it is like he's sucking his own cock. But my God, Dexter Loomis does nothing. And I said this on NXT. I think the idea is they think they've got like an Undertaker 97 plancher 
where he kind of does a kip up into a leg drop all at once. Mm. It's like, wow, Dexter Loomis can do that. The problem is every other wrestler alive can do something <laughs> like that. It doesn't scan as impressive that an absolute chronically boring performer like Dexter Loomis can actually get about a bit. Yeah. They, it was a rest hold in the finish. This was a WWE parody match. I could not believe my eyes when I saw this. Was this STST? Short-term storytelling, because did this have to be so piss-poor in order to make that segment later on, <laughs> val- that, like, heartbreaking segment later on valid? Like, how bad can you really make this? Because we want to uh, validate JBL tearing your creative pieces later. Like, this stunk. This had to be as bad as it was on purpose. Like, it really <sighs> did. And I don't want to conflate Poffo with these two guys, because Poffo no. brought the moonsault to the US. Yeah. Character work, very, very of its time. Somewhat of an OG flippy-flopper. <laughs> Indeed, yeah. Uh, his body language and everything was fantastic. He's got way more than these two scrubs. Do you want to talk about the split now? Yeah. May as well. Where is it? Oh, there we go. Um, so they're backstage. This is much later on. This is after the uh, four-way to determine who uh, goes into the women's elimination chamber. And he's like, uh, hey, JBL, my confidant manager. <laughs> uh, do you want to go out for drinks? And uh, JBL's like, piss off. I don't want to hang out with you anymore. You've got... Channel changing heat, effectively. Uh, you're ruining my reputation. Hmm. Um, JBL had a reputation for channel changing heat when he was a WWE champion on SmackDown. Mm-hmm. Yeah, have a look at the numbers. Uh, he calls Corbin a clown. Doesn't he says you don't belong with me? Um, Corbin's like, no, I can do better. And JBL says, you can't polish a turd. I, I and we, the hurt business were reforming in the background, but that doesn't matter. Yeah. These are my go-to reference points for when a character is buried this hard on television. Remember when it stopped being fun to take the piss out of retribution because it's people's jobs, and that was so bad, especially, like, in the pandemic. That was so terrible. It was like, well, this could tar them forever. Dijak changed the Twitter account yesterday, and he finally admitted that T-Bar was useless. Like, and only now because he's got his finger half hanging off and he's just had a real, <laughs> like, a match that's, like, earned some critical acclaim. And he's like, that was, that was rubbish, guys, wasn't it? I hated it all along, actually. Like, rather than trying to defend it. That was, like, a difficult time for those wrestlers to get out of that mire they were in. I feel like they've just hoied Baron Corbin in the same one. This was that. This was Retribution. This was the OVW sticker on the Spirit Squad's storage <laughs> case. Like, this company, never mind kicking somebody when they're down. It knows how to put them all the way down. And I just felt... I assume too much sympathy for Corbin here. Yeah, this what's what's going on from from here? Because, like you say, I watched this and thought, bloody hell, are they going to release Baron Corbin after this? Because he's so he's been so he's buried by it. But then finished. But then someone on Twitter has said, "Oh, I assume we're getting Corbin versus JBL at WrestleMania." So yeah. is this baby no, face in here? No chance. JBL's a state. He's yet another one of these old, very limited wrestlers who will criticise a new generation of pro wrestlers, despite the fact that he's just in as horrendous shape as anyone else who worked at exponentially more exciting style. So he's not wrestling a match. I just don't think it's going to happen. Like, his back is completely thrashed. His last Mania match, that one against Mysterio, that he lost in, like, 10 seconds. Did he do a run after that? I don't don't know. That was 2009, so, yeah, that would have been his last one. And I mean, this is a while back now, but I still remember me and Nicholas sitting down and Nicholas going... You ever actually rewatched that title match with Cena at 21? It's the, it's the most nothing thing you've ever seen. It's, it's a disgrace of a title awful. match. It's awful. It's so bad. At least it's like Wyatt Orton from 33 mm. without the projections to make it somewhat perversely entertaining. It is a nothing match. Yeah, Corbin has to like 
destroy JBL in the heat angle and say, I'm going to be the lone wolf again. And that would be very Triple H. I said this to you this morning, didn't I? And I know a lot of people, again, it's misplaced nostalgia. Mm. The lone wolf had, it's one of those things that should have worked better than it did in NXT. You've got this big, tall, homegrown PC prospect, and he thinks the world's his to inherit. But as it transpires, there's loads of these cult, rave-reviewed indie sensations just swarming the place, and he resents it, and he hates it, and he targets them. That was always so much better on paper. So I'm not a big advocate of, oh, the lone wolf should come back because I understand the actual value of nostalgia. He has to do something because he's finished. He has to kill JBL, otherwise he's got no credibility whatsoever. Yeah, I said this to you on this morning. I felt sorry for the bloke here. I said to you this morning, someone's going to go on Twitter in the next few days and say, like, the lone wolf thing, the character... I'd be intrigued to see again. Was it Ares he attacked in NXT? Yeah, that ruled. That was the best moment in NXT. But I guarantee someone on Twitter is going to be like, this needs to come back. This will save him. And it People will just are doing be, it now. But it'll just be the light. Yeah, the lights. Spotlight on entrance. It was great. Yeah. But that won't fix it. I, uh, the, the only other thing I could think of, because this was such a burial, was have they identified the point at which Corbin was like... A, a, had a bit of cult popularity, which was when he was on bones of his ass and he was growing his hair out and he had mustard on his shirt. Is it like fans respond most when he is beaten down, but we can't do uh, laughing at him losing all his money again. So is this a different direction? So are they going to try and find the spark there and bring it back? I don't think it'll necessarily work, but that was the only other sort of route out of this because, but then it's it's a Triple H problem. Like on the main right, he cannot get enough out of burying at least three or four people at a time. He <laughs> absolutely loves it, loved it as a wrestler. Loves he is it as a, a spiteful bastard yeah. of a man. Uh-huh. Always like, has been. It's the most, it's the, the garbage person in him coming out and him just, he just can't help himself. And he goes always two or three steps too far. We've seen it with Moose Fartley, Gargano, Meechin. Mm. Remember him. Corbin Ali, remember him. Doing nothing. He'll <laughs> <laughs> do nothing. <laughs> Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Roundabout Season 2, presented by Nissan, is live now, and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops, if we're stopping to get gas. You will be timed. Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have like, you know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. <laughs> a lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, <laughs> yeah, you, you were different. And so much more. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Right, from uh, Baron to Byron. Byron Saxton was back. <laughs> Right, good. Um, Traffic can travel after the news. Doodloop. <laughs> Chatting to Becky Lynch. She's talking about her history with Bailey in Orlando. Uh, says, don't talk about my family. Um, and says, bring your friends. Doesn't matter. Uh, I've got one hand left to play. Maybe tonight's the night. 
I probably was going to play it on Rollers 30, but we didn't have time. Aye. <laughs> uh, didn't really... Foreshadowing. I didn't see this coming, though. Yeah, it didn't really enhance my interest in the match, though. This uh, this promo reminded me that I had a lot of sentim- like sentimental value attached to this role because I'd forgotten that this was set in Orlando, which was the Amway Centre, which I've been to. It's where I saw the Miz cash in on my honeymoon. More importantly, of course, it was the site <laughs> of the... What's uh, that? Was Come on, love. More importantly, in terms of like things that mean a lot in my life, it was the site of the Thunderdome. So, <laughs> goaded, actually. And it's, I told you a very similar thing. Seeing as Francis said, I'm ready to have children. I'm ready to go and watch Daniel Bryan. <laughs> <laughs> trade offer. It was a trade offer, and she was like, "Well, I want to go to America. Obviously, I want to go to New Orleans." I won that one. <laughs> Both won. <laughs> the real winner was Daniel Bryan. Yes. Exactly. Um, then it was time for Brock Lesnar to come out. He got a huge reaction, of course. Um, Tipped his head. Uh, says, "Oh, do you guys enjoy the Rumble?" They all cheer, and he says, well, I thought it sucked, uh, at least for me. He talks about getting eliminated quickly. Uh, talks about Bobby who? Bobby Lashley. Had a bit of Miz Tiny Balls energy this, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, what's he doing? Yeah. You know, it's like they came up with this and just went, yeah, do that. Just say Bobby Lashley. Um, said he took time off, but all he could think about was was Bobby Lashley. Um, he's trying, trying to get his mind right, but he'd go hunting, and he'd think about Bobby who? Bobby Lashley. He'd go ice fishing. I've never heard of a thing that's more Brock Lesnar than ice fishing. Uh, all he can think about when he's ice fishing, though, is Bobby Lashley. He's uh, sitting down for a steak dinner. All he can think about, Bobby who? Bobby Lashley. He's there with his wife. And then four or five hours later, all he could think about was Bobby Lashley. What was? Th- I didn't under- quite understand that bit, Michael Sidgwick. I think what Lesnar was insinuating was that for... Four or five hours, mm-hmm. so at a minimum, like 280 minutes, <laughs> he was raw dogging his wife every which way. He, and the thing is, I couldn't determine is, <laughs> does he last that long? Is he, like, tantric? Is he <laughs> is he Sting? <laughs> not the other Sting. Not the wrestling Sting. The former singer of the police Sting. <laughs> is he? Does he have pretty much unparalleled stamina in the bedroom <laughs> to just withstand that just <sighs> intense pleasure. <laughs> or does he have the penile refractory period of a teenager where as soon as he just, you know, busts, <laughs> that he can just go again? And then, and then he busts again. Uh-huh. And then check looks at, he looks at... um. He looks down at uh, this one. Dinosaur, mate. He's nuts. <laughs> and goes, well, you know what? There's still some. Uh, looks down at Bingo. <laughs> there's still some tatty water in these. Uh, there's still some tatty water in these pans. <laughs> and they haven't yet boiled over. So, Sable, with your consent, are you ready? Fine by me, hopefully. And then he's just boom, boom, boom. Like, just, you know. Going hard. <laughs> Thanks for explaining that. Like, it's, you know, when he decides to have the work rate match against a smaller fella. <laughs> like a Finn Balor or an AJ or a Daniel Bryan, he goes a distance. Maybe he's in one of those kind of moods. For- Maybe that's not every night. Four to five hour, like, euphoric experience with incredible peaks, but goes on a bit too long. AW full sex. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, yeah. Um, he calls something about Bobby Lashley is the central point here. 
Uh, and he says, uh, in my $5 denim jacket, there is a multi-million dollar contract here. Uh, he wants to face Bobby Lashley at Elimination Chamber. Get your ass out of here, basically. Here comes Bobby Lashley. He talks about their history. Um, <laughs> reads their cage match, basically. Uh, pinned you in our first match together. Mm. Not exactly what happened. I mean, technically it is, but, you know. Uh, he says, yeah, you won our second match, but I left you unconscious, basically. Uh, then we met in the Rumble. I chucked you out, no problem. And that's then gives him the contract. Lashley says, no, things are going to be done on my terms. I'm going to have my agent, my manager, my lawyer, all them look it over, take it under consideration. Um, and uh, are you surprised that... Uh, Bobby Who's got one up on you, and he puts his finger in Lesnar's face. So Lesnar, of course, picks him up, F5s him, stands tall. And I do love Brock Lesnar because he's one of the few people, if the crowd chants one more time, if it's not written down that he would do it, he just goes, yeah, all right. Yeah. Picks him up again, F5s him, stands tall, tips his cowboy hat and leaves. This was amazing, if possibly for the wrong reasons. Like, I was giddy after this. Uh, this is a fantastic match for Elimination Chambers undercard, which, by the way, is kicking ass. This card is looking tremendous. Uh, and even better that it presumably now won't exist at WrestleMania. Leaving Brock something new and far yeah. more interesting to mm. do. Is Gunther back on the table? Has Steve Austin changed his mind? Who knows? But it just feels like two big dubs out of what was feeling like a kind of boring L at the Royal Rumble. I was banging the exchanges, but I couldn't shake that feeling of, ah, oh, so it's this then. It's this for WrestleMania. Never mind. They'll, it'll be good enough, but not great. Like, this has transformed everything for the better. When Lesnar first spoke of the contract and had it on the inside of his, like, waistcoat, I guess. Denim jacket. Denim jacket. Didn't have to jacket when he's got Sable for four hours. <laughs> <laughs> it was... <laughs> De denim jacket, more like denim sex. <laughs> right, Okay. <laughs> More like Levi's Wrangler. Wrangler? <laughs> I hardly knew her. <laughs> when he had the contract, oh. when he had the contract, I had that stomach-churning dread that 20% of me experiences whenever Newcastle <laughs> are in an FA Cup draw of don't be Arsenal away, don't be City away, Give us some little crappy League One club like Sunderland used to be last <laughs> season. I don't want Sunderland either. No. I do not no, want Sunderland. No, no, God, no. Jesus. 20% of me wants like Chesterfield. Yeah. It's like Chesterfield at home in the FA Cup draw uh, because you want to win it. Yeah. Right. And I'd say they couldn't beat you. Might, hey, no, you'd absolutely take us to school. Notable Cup team, Chesterfield. So that I had that same feeling of don't be WrestleMania, don't be WrestleMania, don't be WrestleMania. Say Elimination Chamber because that gives yeah. me the potential. Signs there, you're panicking about the shot that they're going to frame. Yeah, and, uh, Les I want Lesnar versus Gunther. I want that match. I need that match. So when he said Elimination Chamber, I said. Oh, my God. Mm. Uh, shout as well to uh, Jameson315, who's tweeted at us uh, with a bit of fantasy booking. Bobby Lashley bruises and lacerates Brock Lesnar's body limply with a buckshot lariat. Just for you, that's it. Kiss my ass. <laughs> <laughs> oh, however, Brock, practicing a buckshot lariat would be awesome. Yeah, he'd do it awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Very clear the other side of the ring. <laughs> Jumps up, does the pyre off the thing, and then flips oh, over yeah. the top rope. Um, Gargano and uh, Loomis are backstage with Candice LeRae. This was the bit I was talking about earlier. It's slightly more excusable because you... 
may say this as a couple. He just walks up to Candace and goes, Hello, wife. <laughs> She's getting so his pat is absolutely he's, he's he's so close to finished. We take finished quite seriously yeah, because if, if somebody kicks out of being we finished, have got a board downstairs. Yeah. If you're if you finish somebody and then they somehow unfinish themselves, you yourself are finished yeah. and nobody wants that. Gargano, man, is just tiptoeing closer and closer. Like, Murray finished him in, like, 2017. <laughs> but, like, at various points, we've all, like, tried to cling on. But, oof. His anti-pop at the Rumble was depressing. <sighs> like, I was sad for the guy. Yeah. Sort of great tweet over the, yeah, Rumble weekend or maybe in the immediate aftermath of it. That was, like, Gargano got a bigger pop when he was on NXT where people, you know, actually reacted to him then. In, and he'd never May been 20, seen on the main. In May 2020, he got, <laughs> yeah. got, got the rumble. My God, that was depressing. Uh, she's getting ready for the four-way that's about to come. Um, and uh, Dex Loomis has done a fucking drawing of him uh, with dogs. And she looks at it and says, oh, who's that? And it's Nikki Cross. And then Nikki Cross is peeking around the corner in the background. And she cackles and runs off. And oh, my God. Candice Array's like, what the bloody hell's going on? And I'm saying, thinking, yeah, I think the exact same thing here. A hack bastard promotion. I'm also going to put over imminently every character who's a bit crazy or spooky has to laugh and cackle like a witch in a children's book after everything they f- say. It's so hack. Yeah. It's, I'd say one thing about the House of Black. At least you don't have bloody Brody King going, <laughs> after everything he Imagine says. Malachi Black's doing his serious stuff, then Brody's giggling, and Malachi's like, I'm trying to be serious, Brody. If he was in the Fed, that's what he'd be doing. Yeah. Like uh, Gacy's twisted smile. <laughs> he doesn't cackle, but he's got that I'm stupid. excited for the NXT preview today, by the way. The laugh plus the shot that lasts too long is lethal. Isn't yeah, it? it's absolutely lethal. You seen what's on NXT tonight, by the way? I don't remember what happened last week. Oh, well, save it. Check oh, out the NXT yeah. preview later. This lad's going to explode. Yeah. That's all I'll say for now. Uh, right, four-way match to see oh, you. I have seen it. It was stupid. Isn't Ding it? dong! And it's <laughs> there gonna, you go. It's going to inform my scathing critique of the main event. Fucking <laughs> an absolute banger for stand and deliver, I think. Yep. Actually, I, I think I do. <laughs> I'm not being snarky there. Uh, fatal four-way match to determine the final person in the elimination chamber. Uh, if you were unaware who else is in it, they inexplicably all just showed up around the ring during this match. Yeah. Uh, it was Candice LeRae, Carmella. That WWE. Yeah. <laughs> What's it bloody like? Uh, that old WWE. Me, <laughs> uh, me, Chin, and Piper Niven. And uh, I did like the spot early on. Carmella's trying to pin LeRae and Yim because they've both been laid out. She's one, two, kick out. Turns around, one, two, kick out. She sits up like, what the hell? They all just get pancaked by Niven's Great spot. Really like that. Uh, we go to break, and then it's a, a very set process here. Mia Yim hits Carmella with eat defeat. Niven breaks up that cover. Larray gives Niven a lion salt. Yim breaks up that cover. Niven gives Yim a spinning side slam, but Larray breaks up that cover. Larray gets uh, gets out of the way of a, a Piper Niven sent on and hits one of her own, but Carmella gets involved. She, she tries to schoolboy Larray. Larray kicks out. Carmella hits Larray with a Bronco Buster. Niven hits her with a cannonball. Carmella super kicks Piper Niven out of the ring. Stacks up Larray. One, two, three. Carmella qualifies for the elimination chamber. The differences between this and the SmackDown equivalent, which fundamentally was the same sort of match, everybody hits something, everybody rolls to the floor, blah, 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 was stark because everyone at least here has a character. And you kind of, in Piper Niven and Carmella, you're interested because they're fresh and they're new and Carmella has just returned 
from like being gone for quite a long mm-hmm. time. Piper Niven's like got a mojo back effectively yeah. and like has fallen short tonight, but in no way did you think, well, a mojo's gone again. Like you definitely can see some direction. And I may kind of hate how lame Candice Lerae and Meachin's thing is and how Meachin is this hindrance to people, as we've kind of acknowledged. <laughs> but again, it was really helpful for making this match make sense, far more so than just Natalia winning a four-way spot fest. It just stuck out in that respect that uh, they're trying again to apply some characters to this women's division and it might give it a chance. It felt like it had mm. identity and Carmella getting the place in the match felt earned too. I really quite enjoyed this. Piper Niven's not quite perfect, but they might really be onto something with her as well as a proper... She's not going to like be this major WrestleMania star right now, but down the road, I sense they're going to get somewhere quite good with her. A lot better than where she was this time last year, where she just lost to Becky at the Rumble. And she was still being called bloody DJ. Her year was done, effectively, as of February, having lost that Rumble match. It was like, well, where, what does Dewdrop do for the rest of the year? Poodrop. Poodrop's finished. Poodrop, thankfully, is finished. Uh, this is really well... Shut up, man. This is really, really well laid out. The crowd got up for it because it was empty calories, no trying to do anything in the spaces between moves because it was just move, get out of the ring, move, get out of the mm-hmm. ring. As far as that genre of match goes, this was really well laid out. And it did a good job of protecting uh, Piper Niven, getting the winner over, I guess. And considering the quota of finished people or nearly finished anti-over acts in this match, they were getting reactions because of the formula and how empty calories and fun this fan base finds it. So I think, again, Papa H, booking Elimination Chamber really quite well and doing things that kind of, it's the most predictable time of the year. The most, like, obligatory, we have to do it, it makes money. And there's a bloody cast of doubt over WrestleMania season in an intriguing way. Well done. Well done, Paul. (laughs) Uh, This was when we got the Corbin JBL polisher turd bit and MVP chatting to the Hurt Business effectively. They're about to be in action. And then we go to a break, come back, uh, Candice LeRae gets shoved into a wall backstage. Um, Niven's pissed that she missed a chance to go to the Elimination Chamber. But here comes best friend, always there to save you when you're in trouble, Meechin Mia Yim, who says, back off. Uh, and she says, never get in my way again, does Piper. Don't become friends with her, Candice. It never ends well. <laughs> yeah, fine. This just Piper Niven. It feels like she's going to be a project. Like Triple H knew what he had with her, and then she got Vince, didn't she? It was terrible. Mm. Oh, was this? No, I'm getting confused. It was the Asuka match where they had all the women around the ring, wasn't it? Not this bit. Sorry, I got confused there. Oh, yes, yes. yes. Anyway, uh, then it was time for the Alpha Academy. Shush! Shush, please! Uh, versus Sean Benjamin and Cedric Alexander. Um, I really enjoyed this. Uh, nice spot early on. Alexander goes for a neuralizer with Chad Gable, who, um, I'll take this. Chad Gable's quite good at wrestling. Pass that one so. on. Catches him, and in one motion hits a German suplex. Oh, my God. So good, wasn't it? So good. Here, um, Then the other member of Alpha Academy tags in. What's his name again, Sige? Otis. He tags in. World's strongest lad, Shelton Benjamin. Works over Shelton for a while. Alexander runs in, runs wild on Gable. Goes for a dive. Gable catches him and suplexes him on the outside. Oh my God. Chad right. Gable rocks my world. <laughs> uh, Gable hits he rocks Triple H's too, and I think that's the problem for Johnny Gargano. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Just the, hey, Johnny, you get less technically brilliant. <laughs> uh, Gable hits a diving head, but Benjamin comes in to break up the cover. 
Benjamin hits Otis with knee strikes and a Samoan drop, which looks great. Uh, Gable goes for a moonsault. Alexander dodges it. Lombard check, one, two, three. I thought they were going in a different direction with the Hurt Business when they were beating these two a few weeks ago, but it appears as if instead it's the catalyst for the Alpha Academy split and the maximum male model stuff. Again, like, fine. Like, I'm not massively into the story yet, but I can't fault the logic of it all. And Bobby Lashley talking more about lawyers and let me get my people on that speaks to why you would want Cedric and Shelton because it's presumably now going to lean as a heel stable and they're all going to be there for... Brock Lesnar. Maybe you reveal Omos at Elimination Chamber as the difference maker in the new Hurt Business. This match was pretty shallow, but frenetic, quite hot, unfussy, really, really well worked. Nothing that I'll remember, mm. but I had a bloody good time watching it, I'll tell you that. Gable never, ever misses. Like, he just... Gable, I don't think... I've, I can't remember the last bad Chad Gable match. You Imagine. know what I want to watch? Go on. I don't know if they're on the same team or in different teams. A tag team match involving Chris Jericho and Chad Gable. Oh, I think that'd be awesome. Mm-hmm. I want to watch Gable versus Gunther down the road. Oh, yep. my, oh my god! We've just made the mistake that Tony Khan makes. Actually, would this wrestler we love work brilliantly with Chris Jericho? I think he might. <laughs> yes, this is right. They've actually got the kind of comedy that would mesh together as well. Yeah, mm. just arrived at the best feud of all time. <laughs> Jericho kills him. We never see Chad yeah, again. Yeah. Hell of a run, kid. Um, the Miz is backstage. Kathy Kelly catches up to him. Uh, he's uh, waiting to see Postman Pierce. He wants to send him the bill for all damages done to his $10,000 suit that his wife bought him that he was forced to wrestle in last week. But who comes out of Postman Pierce's office but Rick Boogs? Uh, he's been chatting to Postman Pierce, sorry. Uh, um, he's so excited to be reunited with the Boogs crew. Uh He's the WWE target audience it's, right here. I love Boogs. Like Go and subscribe out, to Rick Boogs. Foley, isn't it? Like, he's a double black Boogs crew. Hey, what has he said later on? Boogs it out. I was like, oh, Boogs it out. Well, Boogs it out. This little thing. Uh, <sighs> Go and subscribe to his YouTube channel. It's it's the best. It's sensational. Just the just for the titles, let alone the video where he's trying to split an apple, screaming, listening to death metal. <laughs> Anyway, they're back and forth with Miz. Oh, I'd been, I'd have beaten you if I was dressed properly. Blah blah blah. Um, Pierce is lazy and incompetent, uh, of course. As he's saying that, well, he's come out behind him. But Postman Pierce, who books a rematch for next week, cannot wait to preview that one. Sick Rick out. The best, isn't he? He's mildly amusing, I guess. <laughs> This, this, this was the building where the Miz won the WWE title, and, he, and he's still here, being the Miz. I Triple H sees him as basically the highest profile undercard guy he's ever had. Yeah. I kind of admire like that about the Miz again. That like, God bless him for him to just accept. I've been kind of getting away with being the setting up the top star, annoying heel, and now I'm setting up the bottom star, annoying heel. But I'll do it, and I'll be the best Miz I can be. God damn it! It's like. Fair play. It's kind but, of mutual apathy. Triple yeah. H doesn't really see anything in the Miz. He's like, yeah, he's kind of weak, kind of a bitch, actually. <laughs> Sean, remember the hoorah guy? Yeah. And Miz is like, well, I'm a bit finished. I'm, I've taken my fair share of bumps over the years. It matches that were pretty broadly terrible, but the accumulate, just like the accumulated with J- JBL, doesn't matter what style you work, you'll always be broken by professional wrestling in the end. And I think there's a mutual, we need each other. Mm. 
energy to the Triple H Miz relationship, and then is kind of happy to phone it in in both directions. Yeah. Full disclosure, um, the missus, my missus, has got into Miz and Mrs. recently. Basically, we watched a rumble, uh, and she was scouting around what else is on the, the network. She's a fan of, like, Total Bellas and what have you. She's like, let's see what this Miz and Mrs. is all about. I'm really into it now. Well, I, can, I don't, don't know why, else, but I feel it? a lot of, I don't know, a lot of connection to that show. Maybe it's because I'm just so like the Miz. Yeah. yeah. She doesn't like it when I compare me and her to Miz and Mrs. I don't know why. Anyway, um, Chelsea Green's there. She says, I'm headed to the ring. Get me an opponent. Okay, thanks. Bye. And who's her opponent? But Asuka. Who else? Great. Yeah, yeah. see an Asuka match. Uh, a very mm. brief one, granted. Uh, and one where Chelsea Green... Pretty rubbish one, actually. <laughs> Chelsea Green dominated early on because as Asuka's taken off her jacket, Jean Green jumps her. This, as I said, is where uh, everyone who's in the Elimination Chamber comes out. There's Raquel Rodriguez. There's Natalia. She's got a hat now. Uh, there's Liv Morgan. Uh, Nikki Cross. She doesn't walk out. She crawls out from the ring because she's crazy. It's uh, pathetic. And Carmella's there. And <laughs> I've been there for four hours. I shat in a bucket. <laughs> I don't have to bleep that, do I? That's fine. Yeah. Shat is fine. Yeah, yeah. shat's fine. <laughs> right, say three times just in case. Uh, <laughs> Green gets distracted, yelling, saying, I'll show you crazy. Asuka just wrecks her then. Strikes, German suplex, kicks her in the head, and then like the double arm crank submission. I think that's a new one for her. The finish looked all right. A uh, terrible cast of characters that I found it very hard to believe in. They are building to the Karen meltdown. That's a gimmick. Yeah, we were, yesterday couldn't happen upon Bianca Belair's WrestleMania opponent, and I was trying to like somehow wedge Becky Lynch back in. Not that I particularly want that match again, but there's no real stars. I'll remain unconvinced. I don't want to like rain on anyone's parade as relates to the Asuka return of the Rumble, the rebadging and everything, the corner stuff. I'm not so sure it was, wasn't was just, like, have your old gimmick, have your new gear, rather than a big push. I could see Raquel Rodriguez, maybe. Them, them going with Raquel Rodriguez and Bianca Belair. Great match with Ronda. I think she had a good rumble. She had a good one of Ronda's only decent matches. They clearly see her as a future star. Could maybe see them going with that instead. Like Alliteration as well. So. Well, now it's confirmed. <laughs> don't know. I just, I don't know. I think this Asuka thing might just be... Oh, they're old. Our old gear's cool. I, like, I'm not yet convinced that it's a, a proper push, like a new, renewed thing for it. Again, I don't know why this has just popped into my head, but you know, like in a boxing film where they do like the slow-mo, and they go, yeah. and the spit comes out of their mouth. What if Asuka's like getting ready to mist Bianca Belair and she just whips her in the face with her hair? That spot's incredible. I mean, it's really dangerous because I heard the noise it did to Sasha Banks at Mania, but just a thought. Just a great thought. Yeah, I think, hey, call me butter, baby. On a roll. Uh, Bianca Belair came out, yeah, and said, see what, you. What do you think if I smash you in the face with my whip-like hair? You'll be all right, yeah. Uh, Bianca Belair says, I'm champion. Good luck at the chamber, basically. Yeah. Doesn't feel like it's... I'm, I'm worried for your Miss WrestleMania streak, Sige. I like, she needs to pull something out pretty big here. Um, then it was time for Cody Rhodes. No skip here. Mm. Uh, he comes <laughs> out, yeah. He comes out and says, what do you guys want to talk about? That's going to be on a shirt, isn't it? Yeah, it's yeah. catchphrase now. Yeah. Uh, he wants to talk about Roman Reigns, of course, he says, but it's all a bit foggy. He flushed away millions of dollars mentioned in CM Punk and WWE make millions off a T-shirt as a result of that same yeah, promo. That's, that's wrestling, isn't it? That's Cody. <laughs> that's Cody. That's our Cody. <laughs> but he says, you know, I thought it was going to be me and Reigns at WrestleMania, but 
on like the whole Rhea Charlotte thing where they were like, yeah, Sonya, Sonya's got a title shot, but no one cares about that. He was saying, well, who knows? The titles are on the line, Elimination Chamber. This guy's, you know, plowed his own 4-0. He's he got all this momentum. He's walking into his hometown. Um, he says, you know, maybe it'll be me versus Sammy at WrestleMania, which gets a great reaction. Um, he said, wishes Sammy the best of luck. May the best man win. Um, but before we can turn his attention now to Roman Reigns, here comes Paul Heyman. Um, and he says, look, it's been a bit of a busy week after the Royal Rumble. Uh, it's WrestleMania season, blah, blah, blah. But myself and the Tribal Chief would like to congratulate you on your Royal Rumble win. And they shake hands. And Cody, whew, right, Cody says, my uh, father and my uh, brother had a, a nickname for you, but I'm going to call you Mr. Heyman. I've got unparalleled respect for you. Uh, and he tells this story, amazing this, talks about the year 2000, um, says it's all till had dried up a bit, hard times, more than just a promo, the Rhodes family had gone broke. Dusty was doing local car commercials, not for the money, but because he could get the car. Um, and then they got a phone call. It was Paul Heyman who uh, told Dusty that ECW was in town. Steve Carino was going to talk some smack about him. Um, and if just, just Dusty would just show up and be on TV, he'd pay him and pay him well. Cody continues, thanks to Paul Heyman. Dusty got his confidence back. Cody could never thank him enough. Um, and uh, talk, Cody talks about before he returned to WWE, disrupting the business. Um, Heyman helped him show him the way, uh, and he thanks him again. And the crowd chants, thank you, Paul. And Paul Heyman's been done in by this. He's a, an emotional wreck. And uh, I liked Heyman's little, you're good. You're good at this, you. He says, look, uh, I only came out to do came out here to do business, and you've you've got me personally. And he regains his commo composure, and there's cheers for Cody. Uh, he says, "Look, if we're shooting from the hip. Let's go all the way. Um, this, you know, isn't about me. Uh, it's also not about Dusty. It's about Cody Rhodes uh, and all that he's fought for from the bottom all the way up, out the door, back in Rumble to Mania." Cody's not just main event in Mania, though. He's uh, trying to take away from the greatest box office attraction and greatest world champion of all time. This isn't any. T this isn't an easy task for a mere mortal, uh, let alone someone who has no idea what it is like under that spotlight. Will he crumble? Will he wither? Will he self-destruct because no one has prepared him for this? He says, look, down the road is the WWE Performance Center, and at that center... Uh, Dusty trained and prepped the biggest stars of this generation. People like Seth Rollins, Becky Lynch, Bailey, Kevin Owens, and Roman Reigns. But you know who he didn't train and prep? Cody Rhodes. Father uh, Heyman talks about, as a father, maybe it's that because he wanted Cody to step out on his own and make it from, from and get out of the shadow that Dusty Rhodes had cast. Maybe he thought he could be the man without him. Um, Heyman says, I can't convey in words how much I love Dusty Rhodes. And uh, I'll tell Cody straight, I'll tell you straight to your face, uh, Dusty loved you. Uh, and in my last conversation with Dusty Rhodes, he told me, Cody, you were his favorite son. But Roman Reigns was the son he always wanted. Amazing. Holy goddamn. This is absolutely incredible stuff. The way that line was obviously fantastic. The way they've drawn Cody, Roman, and Heyman into the story was deft. Mm. This was so skillful. This was so real feeling. Obviously, because it drew from real life. 
But it not only did that, but it accomplished it in such a way that Cody just remains the absolute ultra baby face, which is pivotal that they get it right. Again, I think the whole, oh, they're going to hijack the crowds and want Sammy. It's overstated, but they kind of can't bury Cody because suddenly the, 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 the alternate proposition looks a lot better in comparison. So they have to get both right every single week on the road to WrestleMania. And my God, They've sold this match to me already, so I can't wait to see where it goes next. What's so fantastic about this is that Cody isn't necessarily before this saying that Roman Reigns is an arsehole, I hate him, he's a baddie. He's just basically, very calmly, with composure, said he's massive, but he's done, I'm bigger. It's just been a really nice competitive title fight mm. that is on the marquee, it's a big attraction, both deserve to be there. He's a dominant heel. He's the champion, but I'm the best challenger yet. That was how it was sold originally. I love how they've made it personal, how they've actually told a story, and what a way to make it personal here. It was absolutely fabulous. Cody Rhodes, knowing how much of a snake Paul Heyman's character is, could not have been nicer to him, could not have been more appreciative Which is of a bit, him. he's a carny himself now, so he's trying to out-snake the snake. No, <laughs> he's, he's been the promoter too, so I think there's a little bit of subtle, extra-layered storytelling there of Cody being like... You can interpret it that I way. I know, my dad and brother called you one thing, but I'll just call you Mr. Heyman. That's, yeah, a, that's a neg. A bit of a neg, you know? but I do genuinely think that the whole idea here was to get across the idea of, right now, the conflict's been intensified slowly in the background, and that's before Roman tosses a verbal jab his way. I just thought it was very, very well done how Cody's just been, no, nah, not a bad guy. It's just a competition. I'm here to win. So to intensify his motivation in such a realistic way, drawn from this deep cut, that my only concern here is that what are the casuals <laughs> going to make of Steve Carino's name? Because he never worked for WWE, did he? Uh, only as an agent, of course. They don't get to see the agent's names, do they? Have to come out to break up fights and that. Had to dye their graying beards brown. (laughs) But they didn't see them. So, yeah, I I do worry that (laughs) the acclaim here, I don't get how it's happened because then, yeah. Mm. The mention of Steve Carino (laughs) went over my head. There was a. Certainly. uh, Obviously, that line from. from Paul Heyman was was sensational uh, and I did like Cody's response as well which is just reiterates the thing you've been banging the drum for for years that don't give him scripted promos because sometimes I mean maybe all not all performers can pull this off obviously well, the thing is right you either get magic and this is professional wrestling magic you get eh, pretty generic you're not that good at it but you're competent which is basically what they make grey promos sound like in this system or you get the Marina Shafir joint mm. Mm. That Marina Shafir promo was up there with the worst of the best worst of Sid. <laughs> you get three directions. One, two are amazing for very different reasons, and one's what you're already getting. Yeah, that's why they should put an end to all of it forever. And if if you're saying, well, we need this line for the for video package, just tell them to say it exactly. Um, but yeah, Cody responded, or tell stories, not rely on video packages. <laughs> Good point. Um, yeah, so Cody comes out to Paul Heyman, who realizes, oh, he might he might kill me now. But Cody doesn't do that. He extends his hand out, shakes Paul Heyman's hand, and says, I'm just trying to win a wrestling championship here. And yet everybody seems to want to make it personal. That's what you just did. It's not going to be you paying for it. It's going to be your boy, Roman Reigns. He's going to pay for it at Mania when I take those titles personally. Just incredible, yeah. 
like putting words to the, the point that Cedric is making about how like a lot of people genuinely worried. I wasn't one of them about how Cody is woven in and how this becomes a personal thing as much as uh, the same story Cody told the night after last year's WrestleMania. So my goal is to win the WWE title. There that is, hanging in the background, no matter who's got the belt, it's Roman Reigns, right? How do we fold those things together? Had absolute faith they would do it. I just didn't think they'd do it as well as this, which, by the way, is always the metric we rate AEW's best moments on. It's like, oh, we're doing a preview. Might they do this? Might they do this? They've done something even better than none of us could have called. Like, that's the highest compliment I can pay this for the standard this was. Much like... Um, this is the second time recently Paul Heyman's been on a Raw. Uh, the last one was at the trial of Sami Zayn in Philadelphia, and you are asked to think about the promotion and chant those three letters proudly, dub, dub, E, dub, dub, E, <laughs> dub, dub, E, because this was out of this world, like majestic WWE sports entertainment at like operating at its peak, as was the Royal Rumble with the bloodline, and like these two angles are connected, but they're kind of not at the moment mm. because Cody Rhodes is separate for it, waiting for the Elimination Chamber outcome. The I just want to like mention it before I forget that line about uh, Cody being Dusty's favorite son was incredible because does Cody, a loving brother, even want to hear that as a, like a sideways jab at mm. Dustin, or is Paul Heyman in the knowledge? that the Bloodline's own familial links are fraying and fragile and falling apart, is he trying to do that internally within the Rhodes family to get under Cody's skin so that they're at a level playing field? Roman and the Bloodline are not at Cody's level right now. Is he trying to reset mm. that balance? I thought like he was able to make that be both a compliment and a neg at the same time. And the fact that, like, little details, again, like, it's it's AW quality stuff, this, and, like, WWE should be, like, aiming for that until, like, the, the balance has been struck. That the that this was in Orlando, so even starting with the performance center is down the road makes the whole thing feel more yeah. natural. We're doing this one today because earlier on I was driving to the building and I saw where all of Dusty's kids were. I'm not really one of Dusty's kids in the wrestling sense, are you? Yeah. Like every single detail was so well thought of. Here. Him and is exceptional in these moments, and you almost don't get them now. Like I was thinking the Vince one before the Survivor Series. Yeah. It's too late. It wasn't going to save the invasion, but it kicked ass yeah. anyway. God, I'm going to watch this again later. Yeah, Can't absolutely. Wait. I was speaking of chanting stuff. I was watching this chanting, oh, are you watching Vince McMahon? Uh, because this is how you do it. This is how you set up both points. <laughs> and simultaneously, uh, I tweeted this, but I'm sure the mega fans will forgive me, <sighs> that this promo was so good, it made me forget Sami Zayn for a split second. It made me, all I could think about Fizzle. was Roman versus Cody at WrestleMania and that graphic we talked about yesterday. I'm not asking WWE, how do you do it? Because I think they knew all along they were going to have to do it. Like, they were going to have to do their work when it came to Sammy and Cody. They're not stupid. The bloodline was getting built. Like, I'm not going to go back to 2020. I'm not going to give them that. But the bloodline was getting built from last summer in the version it is now. Cody was destined to win the Royal Rumble from the moment his tip fell off, <laughs> right? And Triple H has had the job since, let's say, July. He's thought about it. Yeah. Like, he is, is it not, is it like that wild to assume that he has thought, yeah, you know, when Cody comes back, like, if this bloodline thing goes the way I want it to and how it seems like it's trending, I'm going to be in a bit of a pickle. Yes, he's given that consideration. Like, I just, it's never, look, I could be made to look a fool and all of this could go horribly wrong. I don't think Cody should be anywhere near the Elimination Chamber card in Montreal. That would be a terrible nope. decision. They've not made bad ones yet. So I just, I, I'm choosing not to worry. 
Um, following this, uh, there was a nice video package for Kofi Kingston to celebrate Black History Month, and then it was followed by another Elimination Chamber qualifier, Montez Ford S- versus Elias. Skip, Skip, there was a nice flip dive to the outside, which was incredible, but that was the sum total of the excitement in the match. Yeah, uh, Montez Ford, one of the frog splash, Skip. and Austin Theory was awful on commentary. Enough of all that, it's now time for this. It's short, it's crap, it's wrestling related. The five-star review review. Nailed it! And this week's five-star review review is brought to you by Jake Flint. If you want to suggest something short, crap, and wrestling-related, you Jake Flint. It's not that. It's not how you pronounce it. I'll pronounce it properly in a second, though. Okay. Uh, I'm Jake Flint. I've been seeing a lot of guys around here in NXT, and I think I can make a difference. Um, You can either suggest it on Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star review. Five-star review, review, uh, and suggest something short, crap, and wrestling raid. Or, as Jake has done, leave us a five-star review on Spotify. Screenshot it. We need the proof. And then email it to me, adam.wilborn at whatculture.com. But uh, Jake Flint writes, G'day, Adam, from Perth, Australia. Accent not required, but honestly preferred. (laughs) (laughs) Flint. How did this one get read out? Jake Bloody Flint says, I've been thinking of emailing for a long time, but the flaming galat... No, but the NXT preview this week, from a couple of weeks ago, has tipped me over the goddamn edge. Had me dying with laughter for the last 10 minutes. Absolutely class. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Class. It's like uh, flaming galore. Flaming galore. (laughs) Buckingham Palace over here. (laughs) Anyway, Jake writes, I've never watched a full episode of wrestling in my life, but I got into it in my mid-twenties through highlights and matches on YouTube, which made... (laughs) (laughs) Tiffany Stratton goes down down south. South. (laughs) Down under. (laughs) (laughs) Which led me to the what... The what... The what culture team... (laughs) And your fantastic analysis and quality banter. Thanks, Jake. You and the Deadlies have been my driving companions on the way to work for years now as I weave in and out of koalas and kangaroos. (laughs) (laughs) Huge bab. Mate, that might not have been written. (laughs) (laughs) Good alliteration. I honestly can't thank you enough for the hours of entertainment and stress relief you've provided. If selected for a review, can I request anything terrible TNA related? I'm sure the depths of questionable wrestling have plenty more quality left. Please find attached photos for proof, because you need the proof. And thanks again for everything. Regards, Jake Bloody Flint. Bonza. <laughs> it's a Bonza uh, review. So I went to our TNA expert, Michael Hamlet, to suggest something for today. And what did you go for? Oh, God. Um, well, as can we be clear, you uh, requested specifically something from TNA's knockouts division, if possible. Yeah. I think it was the phrasing you used. What's the comment section at the end of the day? <laughs> and I can't give you context of uh, Madison Rain versus uh, Angeline Loving in the evening gown match because even I'd stopped watching. Impact <laughs> had gotten so rubbish, I'd switched off. I'd given up. Um, but how I became aware of this match is something that I believe you have the, uh, the uh, what's uh, Data. Thank you, on yeah. that we wanted to save for Sidgwick. Indeed. About this. So that, Sorry, I jumped the gun there. That is how I became aware of this specific match. It's time to play the game! Time to play the game! Hopeless. 2014, Michael Sidgwick. The Knockouts Evening Gown Match, Madison Rain versus Angelina Love. That is the title of this video. But how many views has it got on TNA's YouTube channel? Right. Scantily clad women 
20 million. No, dear, that's wrong. I don't have a clue. Ah, no. Oh, you know. Yeah. All right, because I got three guesses. Yeah, you yeah. got three guesses. Oh, I was really getting hot there. <laughs> 40 million. No, dear, that's wrong. I should point out, by the way, for people going, wait a second, haven't they watched this video? We found a non-YouTube version. Yeah, I sent you the Daily Motion one to keep this a uh, bit of a game. More. 80 million. No, dear, that's wrong. Michael Hamflet, how many views does this video have? 178 million views. Bingo! Most viewed video on their YouTube channel yeah. by a mile because of the thumbnail, which is... Uh, Velvet Sky opening a towel and stopping everybody in the tracks. There's a human body under there. <laughs> so, yeah, this was a... It, well, I was going to say a two-minute match. Hey, kids, you want to see a hot body? <laughs> I can say a two-minute match. It wasn't, was it? It was sub-two minutes. Yeah, 148. Okay. Uh, so Madison Rain is chucking uh, Angelina Love around by her black... Oh, but it was black gear and white gear here. Your thoughts on that, first of all? Don't patronise me. Okay. Uh, she's chucking her around by a scarf. Um, Taz, <laughs> just like... Think about what Taz does now. And Bingo! <laughs> that aside, being forced to call the action, compared to what he does now, for yeah, example, you like, can tell he just loves it. Really. Enhances Timothy Thatcher matches for me. Yeah. That's what he does now. He says... Such a shame, this run. Like, Taz was made people pretty miserable because he sounded pretty miserable, and he replaced Don West, yeah. the most enthusiastic guy for this product. Dark time. Uh, so, Taz, on the only lines I caught on this, apart from... Well, the bit Too we'll busy get looking at something else, were <laughs> Taz says, It's all legal, the garment around the throat action, which is because he was choking around by the scarf. Um, so, Angelina Love, I think, goes for a rock bottom here. Uh, but Madison Rain fights out of it and hits a spear. But that doesn't matter because we're not concentrating on the match because here comes Velvet Sky in just a towel, which, like you said, the camera's behind her, so we can't see it. But she opens up the towel. Can't see what? It. Uh, <coughs> flashes referee Brian Stifler, who is frozen stiff, yeah. as they call on commentary. What do they mean by that? It's, uh got aroused sexually by the implied sight of the bare breasts and vagina of uh, Velvet Sky. And his blood flooded into his cack, making it erect and bigger. Maybe he's, you know, doesn't go on these cocks at the same size. I don't know if it's necessarily gets bigger. Grower, not a shower. No, shower, not a grower. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, referee is distracted slash hypnotized on the. Uh, that's what the commentary used to say. Uh, and they do the hairspray spot Ooh, that they did in literally every Beautiful People match for about a year. Yeah. Um, and uh, Angelina Love, I've, I'm thinking she's going to go for the surprise roll up here. And then I remembered, oh, it's an evening gown match. Mm -hmm. So she just rips off Wayne's. Wayne's? Reigns, white evening gown, wins the match. Uh, Madison Rain pitches a fit in the ring. Childish stumping, blah blah blah. Angelina Love celebrates, uh, and and the commentary. Uh, sorry, the announcers. No, the person announces the winners are oh, they're beautiful people. But Taz says the real winner is the referee Brian Stifler. The poor bastard can't move. Look at him sweating like a pig. I think it's because I was worried that his erection would be very visible, or maybe he just got like stuck. It's bleak in it. This. 
It's pretty bleak. It's like, yes. Uh, this is a company, right? Vince Russo was more progressive yes. in his <laughs> portrayal of women's wrestling than WWE and its women's revolution. And this came long after Vince Russo made it less of a disgrace to watch women's wrestling. This came after Paige versus Emma in the old uh, timeline. God, did it? it? Those two things. That was 2013, be. wasn't it? Jeez. Yeah, or like, or either very, either way, this came after, and you start thinking like that. You, these can't coexist anymore. Like, it shouldn't for years and years. It was wrong. Obviously, yeah. wrong at the time. Yeah. But you know, when you get older, you realise. Oh, hang on. Yeah. Speaking of bleak, let's go to the comments section. These do not reflect the views myself, the Daddy Boys, anyone at What Culture Wrestling, uh, or indeed uh, Jake Flint. Two uh, seconds. It's time to play the game. Useless. Did it? Did it? Did it? Did it? What? Guess the perverted comment. Oh, she was that towel rubbing against those buns. I think that's one of them. You're incredibly close. <laughs> I'd have been the referee as well. Wait, 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 come on, you piece of... Bingo! Use a VD5XG103D. <laughs> oh, how much I'd love to have been the ref when she flashed. Not the only one, though. Plumbing writes, oh, if only I was an evening gal. <laughs> Holy goddamn, I forgot. I think I might have told you, I forgot to tell you, Cedric. I was listening to an old episode of the Chris Morris Radio 1 show yesterday. Oh, yeah. And he was interviewing Peter Stringfellow. R.I.P. kind of. Uh, it was a constant piss rip because Peter Stringfellow didn't realise that Chris Morris was doing it for comedic purposes. And he asked him about like what he would be reincarnated as. And he said, A, a cotton G-string. A cotton G-string. Yes. Uh, right. <laughs> Back to the comments. Once again, these do not reflect. Use myself, Dad. I had his it. phone number. I've still got him a phone. He's dead now, but like not the mate, Peter Stringfellow. <laughs> video, video called him once for, for banter. Uh, now, quite cruel. Stan Houser's coming with a bit of analysis here, guys. Um, yeah, he's terrible. But, uh, you know, it mixed analysis and a bit of, you know, personal stuff in there. Stan writes, the most quietest evening gown match ever. Sad. I want to buy all three of their nylon stockings on eBay. <laughs> <laughs> that one of our podcast, a bit of analysis and a bit of palace. Same here with Uzo. Uzo writes... Question about the crowd reaction to Velvet doing that to the referee Stifler. Were they quiet out of being shocked like the ref or no reaction because Velvet was actually wearing something underneath her towel? How dare she? Yeah. <laughs> bitch. Um, right, here we go. Bitch. Remember the, uh, that, the, we might have done this on the five-star review. Remember that where like, Dawn Marie exposed her breasts, but they somehow shot it where the rope yes. the nipple. Remember that shot? My yeah. comments are going crazy like that. I... I Oh. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, definitely that one play out. I remember, like at the time, like I was like four and one or whatever. I was reading the results. It was something like, uh, "Yeah, I was there live. She had tape over them. <laughs> Obviously, <laughs> fuming, like absolutely fuming about this." Um, right here we go. This is where we go into a deep dive in the comments. Oh god! Once again, just to reiterate, these do not re reflect the views of myself, Dadly Boys, What Culture Wrestling, or Jake Flint. This uh, is where we kind of play the game. Ah. Did it, did it, did it, did it. Are we going to have to edit this out? <laughs> I don't think so. There's a great. We have edited things out before. Yeah. Uh, H simply writes Madison, you kill me every morning, my goddess. And I love that. I live every day to die in the morning. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. Is that like the, the French for uh, 
The petite death or whatever it is. <laughs> the little death. The little death. That's what they call. That's what they call. Yeah, yeah. That's what they call it when uh, you come out your cack. Um, the the cleaner. I don't think this is Kenny Omega, but the cleaner has a different way of uh, of putting it. Just right. I want to die in her ass. Interesting little back and forth uh, in the comments. I want to die in her ass. Is so, it ass or ass? Ass, actually, technically. Ross Collins, this is a back and forth. Ross Collins writes, I don't feel worthy to look at you. Thanks for gracing us with the artwork that is your physique. Jay responds, simp. Ross Collins replies, penis wrinkle, so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's just like the opening scene of E.T. <laughs> Uh, final few comments. <sighs> Trey writes, I bet no wood goes to waste with her around. She might not want to have sex all the time. Yeah, they don't think about it like that. Because no, um, they're objects, obviously. Yeah. Dave writes, so maybe it's a quiz question, this. I wonder how many socks and towels were ruined because of the beautiful people. Good times. What's, what, what does he mean by that, Sige? Um... I don't understand why teenagers don't just use tissue. But uh, for whatever reason, you know, I've heard that some teenagers, and we saw it in the emotion picture American Pie. Indeed. Just want to come in a sock. <laughs> <laughs> the same, like... The, I might be naive. Did American Pie invent that? I, I, it, I just... It's weird, isn't it? Like, it's tissue. It's tissue? Yeah. Is that what it, Mr. Sarko was? <laughs> 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 That's why I like it's worse than the regular man of the claw. It's got come on it. That makes no sense because Mr. Socko was introduced years before Molina turned up in WWE. Yeah. Yeah. Burn him down. Final comment. This does not reflect the views <laughs> that myself. That did. The Dadly Boys or anyone at What Culture Wrestling. Here we go, ladies and gentlemen. Will they get? Will you get to hear this line or not? It's from MVP. I don't think it's from Montel Vontavious Porter. It's ass stuff again. I love the phrase. In here. How could it be worse than I want to die in your ass? <laughs> MVP writes, Now this is how a woman's ass is supposed to look. Not those giant 4x4 four four turd cutters people are trying to put... <laughs> What? Four by four third cut, you know. <laughs> third cut. So that. <laughs> so the two. By, so they're basically saying that there's not enough meat on a two by two two. Uh, basically, glori- they've got glorified legs instead of an ass. I don't. I don't understand any of this. So I just saw the phrase third, third cut, and cut. Thought that's yeah. making the cut. Okay, do the comment again. I'm going to decode this. This now. This is how a woman's ass is supposed to look. Not those f- giant four by four turd cutters people are trying to push. So or maybe more petite, perhaps. He wants the prefers the petite version rather than the big old ass. First of all, she's got a great ass. See, I thought uh, it's fat shaming. Then I don't know. I just I, like and, the and just general objectification. So the last line again. Now this is how a woman's ass is supposed to look. Not those giant 4x4 turd cutters people are trying to bush. P. 
people are trying to push. <laughs> I'm sick of this amount of notifications. I, I love that. It's like an agenda. Yeah. There's like an agenda. For I will a be a slave to Big Turd Cutter. <laughs> <laughs> big Turd Cutter's trying to poison <laughs> my mind. Wake up, sheeple. Turd Cutter's been on. So, yeah, I suppose thanks to Jake Flint for that uh, five-star review review suggestion. Hello, Turd Cutter. Thanks, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> If you want to share something short, crap, and wrestling related, uh, you can do so on Apple Podcasts, or you can leave us a five-star review on Spotify. Screenshot it. We need the proof. And then, just as Jake did, email it to me, adam.wilborn at whatculture.com. Uh, we return to Monday Night Raw post the uh, Montez Ford match. Here comes Seth Rollins. Conviction with which he says that yeah, takes me every lovely. single time. That one, Cack! that was just for a Lee Wainwright after his uh, responses on Twitter last night. Absolute legend. Like, uh, was anyone else in the house while you were screaming that at the top of your lungs, Lee? Thanks very much. Appreciate the commitment. Uh, yeah, Ron is Trips Theory as he's coming off commentary and curb stomps him and dances around basically. Main event time: Steel Cage match: Becky <sighs> Lynch versus Bailey. Uh, slightly delay on this one. Of course, it was meant to go down at, at Raw. Is Triple X. Um, but they get in there. Uh, Dakota Kai, Yo Sky, the tag champs are at ringside, but it's a steel cage match, so they can't get involved. Um, obviously, it's steel cage there. Um, and initially, I I was, yeah, a bit... Uh, because we've just watched Vengeance Day, and they went, yeah, he can't win a match by escaping the cage. It was a bit of climbing, but it was mainly just Grayson Bloody Waller trying to just get away from Bron Breaker. But this, again, turned into a climbing match because this counted, and you could just, well, as you always say, in a steel cage match... If you can get, if you can win by leaving, let's go through the door. Um, Save me a whole lot of silly bother. Anyway, <laughs> Becky Lynch takes control early on, but then Bailey chucks her off the side of the cage, hits a flying elbow drop that gets her a near fall. Um, Bailey uh, during the break hit a sunset flip power bomb into the turnbuckle, but Lynch fights back. Um, when we come back, Bailey's draped over the top rope. Lynch hits that diving leg drop of hers. That gets her a two count. Uh, goes for the manhandle slam. That gets counted into a back suplex for a near fall for Bailey. Bailey tries to get out of there, but Lynch grabs her and drives her into the side of the cage. Um, again, Lynch goes for a leg drop, but Bailey catches her and uh, ca- catches her and applies a leg lock. Uh, Lynch starts crawling towards the door, um, chucks Bailey into the turnbuckle. Bailey goes for the leg lock again, so Lynch drives her into the cage. They go up to try and escape, but they're both fighting on the top rope, uh, and Bailey hits a top rope. Bailey to belly for a near fall again. So again, Bailey tries to climb out of there. Lynch goes after her. Um, they're at the top now. Um, Lynch puts a disarmor on Bailey, and that eventually meet, leads to Bailey falling back into the ring. All Becky Lynch needs to do is climb out of the cage. She looks like she's about to do it, but here comes EO Sky to knock her back into the ring. Uh, and Dakota Kai, who's been on crutches because of what Becky Lynch did last week, slides her crutch into the ring uh, for Bailey to use when whose music hits. But Lita, of all people, she runs down, she pulls uh, EO Sky from the side of the cage, she takes the crutch, she nails Sky with it, gives her a twist of fate, slams the door on Bailey's head, who Stumbles back into the ring, gets caught with a manhandle slam from Becky Lynch. One, two, three. She is victorious, and she stands tall with Lita to close out the show. Yeah, I'm <sighs> the high guy on a match that I'm not sensing a lot of buzz for. I was quite into this, and I think it's sometimes because this is a bit of an old 
WWE apologist nature that I've got in me that, well, they're trying the hardest with a story that was pretty terrible. And I thought, like, the action was pretty strong. Becky Lynch has wrestled like a WWE main eventer more so than when she was a legit WWE main event. <laughs> I think her work's been tremendous since she's come back. And I just think she elevates stuff. I think she makes it feel big time. I love Bailey, but it's this character's never been it. This stable's never been it. And this felt like kind of the best thing. Outside of the opener at Clash at the Castle, this feels like the best thing she's done in this guise, in this gimmick. So it just, it'll, this cage match will be remembered as this, like, uh, the, the great, epic, Becky Lynch damage Katal story paid off. The match was substantially better than anything the rest of the angle. And I didn't see the leak the thing coming. It wasn't until you mentioned it in the office, I think it was Sidgwick, Sidgwick mentioned, yeah. like, would this have been the payoff in the original match? Presumably it would have been. Maybe that would have fed into something at like the Rumble, perhaps. So I didn't see this coming, and I like the proposed match that's coming at Elimination Chamber on the undercard as a result, too. So lots of wins here, but I just wasn't seeing much joy for it online. Even when it's good, it's stupid. <laughs> that's the problem with the WWE cage match. Even when it's good, it's bloody stupid. Yes, it was logical that Bailey would try and work over the leg, to leave via the door, because it's just as simple as walking out. If you're not limping, like a bit fatigued, mm -hmm. if you've just really hurt that person's knee, just walk out. The amount of times I see in other matches, people take a powder, and it's easy for them to just leave the ring. <laughs> Why can't you just leave the cage? It's the stupidest match. It doesn't matter how good the work is, and quite frankly, beyond some really nasty and committed mm. spills to the floor, like between the ropes as well, and the they suffered a bit for their art, but it's an artless piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> the WWE cage match, so I could not put it over in any way. I swear, I swore at the end for you, so it's easier to pick up. Thanks, mate. Uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed this, I, but I think it suffered, uh, you're right, from the, the age-old complaints Ever about present WWE logic steel catch The stupidest things of all time. Weirdest match to drop, like to drop that rule. Of all the matches where like you've got a guy that is kind of set up to escape to win the Shawn title. Michaels is as much of an idiot as Triple H. And they drop the rule there. Like, mm. you're assuming they're going to do that with NXT. Going for, it doesn't feel like it's a one-off, but what a strange choice to do it there and then and I not for this, I think they're going to do it. I, I think the new rule is going to be you can't win a title by escaping a cage, but you can just win yeah. a feud, uh -huh. which is, okay. It's stupid. It's, it's self Especially thing. when a baby... Well, watch feuds then if it's... Especially when it was... I know it was to set up the EO and Lita spot and what have you, but I couldn't help... No, I was happy by the end of it all, but I couldn't help think, oh, you're going to beat Bailey in this horrific blood feud, 10 years, you know, Orlando, all that stuff, by climbing away from it and running away in a cage match. Like, it's, it's stupid. All kinds of goddamn stupid. But where we're heading now, I'm kind of okay with. So, yeah, yeah really excited. And yeah. lots to look forward to Ugh. next week, if you believe the rumours. It's finished. Nah, I'm into it, and I'm excited to see what happens next week with this. Yeah, I think the six-woman elimination chamber should rule. Yeah. What's the season six? Trish? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Is that happening? Or is it just... Sean Ross has confirmed a rumour that Trish is on for next week's role. Go home show next week's role, Yeah, not like a WWE.com oh, splash. That'll be, that'll be like canny. A, I yeah. guess it'll be nice, nice, nice eight minutes. I'm over nostalgia. <laughs> uh, over it. Well, let us know your thoughts uh, on Monday Night Raw on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Watch, they can follow all three of us. You can follow Michael Hamflit at... Michael Hamflit. Follow Michael Sidgwick at... M. Sidgwick. Follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at WhatCultureWWE, as I said. Make sure you subscribe to WhatCulture Wrestling, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts. We'll be back a little bit later on today, all five of us, uh, to preview... <laughs> NXT and make sure if you haven't done so already you leave us a five star review either, either on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify just like Jake Flint did thank you Jake for that yet again uh, but for now this has been the Raw Review my thanks to the Dadly Boys thank you for joining us and we will see you soon 
Roundabout Season 2, presented by Nissan, is live now, and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas, you will be timed. Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have, like, you know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. <laughs> a lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, yeah, you, you were different. And so much more. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.